happening there as well as here. Um, Ephesians 1 verse 11 is where we're going to start. This is a couple verses that uh, I want to have us jump on as we begin today. And uh, it, it says some pretty powerful stuff. It says, in him, and if you read back in Ephesians 1, he's talking about Jesus Christ. In Jesus, we were also chosen. Okay? Let that uh, settle in. In Jesus, we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him. Who's the him? Jesus, okay. Uh, I'll give you another run at that. Having been predestined according to the plan of him. Who's the him? Who works out everything. How many things does he work out? You got it. In conformity with the purpose of his will. Whose will are we talking about here? Jesus' will, yeah. So this is Jesus' will in order that we, who were the first to put our hope in Christ, might be for the praise of his Glory. Whose glory is that? Okay, this is the glory of Jesus. So let's break this down just a little bit before we get going. If you're a follower of Jesus today, if you've said yes by faith to the cross, to the empty tomb, to what Jesus did for you, then the Lord Jesus has chosen you. Think about it, Perry. He said, you know what, I want Perry on my team. And I'll take Myron too. And I get lots of drafts picked, so okay, I'll take Jeff and Sherry too. And he just went around, and everybody who's here, he's chosen you. He's, fancy word, predestined you to come and be a part of his family. And now, go back to verses 11 and 12. Hannah's got it up there for us. His plan is being worked out in your life. So he's got a plan in your life, and he's working how many things out in his life? How many things? Everything. Every, you mean even the bad stuff? Even the hard stuff? Even, yes, everything. He's working everything out in our life. Good, bad, happy, sad. Could sing a little song right now, but I won't. Uh, smiles, tears. And, and what's his purpose? Verse 12. What's the purpose of Jesus Christ in us? So that in everything we might praise and honor and bring glory to Jesus pretty heavy-duty verses, aren't they? They're powerful. I mean, those are like underline-worthy. So if you got your Bible, you might want to think about that. Romans 8, 28, 29 says the very same thing. Jesus is right now working all things out for our good, to those who know him, to love him. And he's working it out so that we'll be more like him, created and informed into the image of Jesus Christ. And then we'll bring glory and honor and praise to Jesus when we look like him as we walk around here on earth, okay? So as we reflect him everywhere we go. Um, this morning we're in Acts chapter 23, and this is going to come back into play because we get to uh, look at an event in history and we have the luxury of kind of going up in the helicopter of God's word. And, and we see what God's up to in this passage with the apostle Paul, okay? So you got... Uh, Jesus at work in one corner in the light-colored trunks, and, and I was thinking about being the announcer, and I chose not to. And in the other corner, in the dark-colored trunks, you got 40 angry, vicious, um, intense men who want to attack and kill Paul. And you see Jesus at work, and you see man at work, and then we're going to see how it all works out. Make sense? 
So uh, last week, Pastor Jason led us up to this. So if you have your Bible, go back to chapters 21 and 22. Let me give you a little run-up here. Um, Paul was misunderstood when he came into Jerusalem. Uh, he's coming back into town, and it seems like everybody misunderstands what he's all about. His fellow Christians, even the leaders in the church at Jerusalem, they misunderstand him. Uh, he's nearly killed by the Jewish mob, Acts 21, verses 30 and 31. They believed the lies. They misunderstood his intentions. Then he was misunderstood by the Roman soldiers, and they think he's just a troublemaker, do you remember? And they're about to uh, literally flog him and beat him bloody. And then he's misunderstood by the Jewish leaders in chapter 23, verses 1 through 9. Uh, and he's so misunderstood, verse 10, the Roman soldiers have to go in and pull him out from the Jewish leaders because he's about to be torn to pieces by the Jewish leaders, okay? Really misunderstood everywhere he went. And I think now we've got Paul. He's been rescued again by the Roman soldiers, and now he's sitting in the Roman barracks, and I think it's safe to say he's worn out. It's been a terrible, no good, awful few days. I believe he's physically, emotionally, spiritually worn out and empty. I think it's safe to say he's been rejected by the Jews, he's been bloodied by the mob, he's been misunderstood by his fellow Christians and the leaders, and I think he's there alone sitting in the Roman soldiers' barracks. He's humiliated, he's alone, he's dejected, and he's bloody and bruised, okay? And now I want you to look at verse 11 of chapter 23. It's on the back of your bulletin. Uh, Hannah's going to put it up here. But, but look who shows up when uh, Paul's all alone, bleeding, humiliated, worn out. Uh, verse 11, the following night, after all of these events occurred, the Lord, the Lord Jesus, that's who the Lord is referring to, stood near Paul. And he said, take courage. As you've testified about me in Jerusalem, Paul, so you must also testify in Rome. Give me your eyes. He's had an awful, devastating, disastrous last few days. And now we're going to see danger is lurking outside. And here's what Jesus does. First of all, he shows up and he stands right next to Paul. And now he says to him, uh, oh, by the way, Paul, um, I'm the only source of courage in all of the universe. So in case you're wondering, you need courage, take it from me. Tracking with me? Look at verse 11. Uh, take courage. I'm here. I'm the only one who's got the courage to give you right now. So take courage from me. Grab it. Apply it to your life, because I'm here to give you courage. And know this, Paul, I've got plans for you. And I've got plans, and you're not going to die tomorrow. Uh, your time here on earth is not over yet. I want you to speak up for me in Rome, just like you've been speaking up for me here in Jerusalem. Got it? So the Lord shows up, and he says, take courage. And then I got plans, and now let's stand together and let's just read the passage because you're going to see some, uh, 
some pretty strong stuff going on to attack Paul. Verse 11, we're going to read down through verse 22, Acts 23. Uh, Hannah's got it up here on the wall. It's on the back of your bulletin as well. Let's read together. The following night, the Lord stood near Paul and said, Take courage. As you have testified about me in Jerusalem, so you must also testify in Rome. The next morning, some Jews formed a conspiracy and bound themselves with an oath not to eat or drink until they had killed Paul. More than 40 men were involved in this plot. They went to the chief priests and the elders and said, We've taken a solemn oath not to eat anything until we have killed Paul. Now then, you and the Sanhedrin petition the commander to bring him before you on the pretext of wanting more accurate information about his case. We're ready to kill him before he gets here. But when the son of Paul's sister heard of this plot, he went into the barracks and told Paul. Then Paul called one of the centurions and said, Take this young man to the commander. He has something to tell him. So he took him to the commander. The centurion said, Paul, the prisoner, sent for me and asked me to bring this young man to you because he has something to tell you. The commander took the young man by the hand, drew him aside and asked, what is it you want to tell me? He said, some Jews have agreed to ask you to bring Paul before the Sanhedrin tomorrow on the pretext of wanting more accurate information about him. Don't give in to them because more than 40 of them are waiting in ambush for him. They've taken an oath not to eat or drink until they've killed him. They are ready now, waiting for your consent to their request. The commander dismissed the young man with this warning. Don't tell anyone that you've reported this to me. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your word. Um, and especially here, you give us a view of what your plan and purpose is all about that we can't normally see in our own lives from day to day. So, so thank you for your book. Um, and I'm praying, Lord, that even today, you might take your word and apply it to lives. I suspect there are some here today who uh, are worried, some who are sick, some who are lonely, some are here and they're discouraged, some come here to your church and they're angry, some are here and they're overwhelmed, others are stressed to the max. Lord, we come in with all sorts of different things on our mind, on our plates, and Lord, I'm praying that you'll help us to see your hand in Paul's life. And Lord, we're grateful that that very same awesome hand of yours is on our lives as well. So Lord, I, I'm asking that uh, we might see clearly today what you're up to and how you work in our lives. And Lord, I'm praying that you'll give us the faith to know that even today, on May 4th, 2014, you're still the blessed controller of all things. Thanks for being awesome. May your word and your spirit impact our lives this morning. And all the church gathered at Walloon Lake said, with faith, amen. You may be seated. Jesus shows up in Paul's room. 
perhaps a prison cell in the barrack, just says the barracks, but I suspect he wasn't in uh, the, uh, the big bedroom in the barracks, okay? Uh, Jesus shows up and he says, look at it, verse 11, these are huge, take courage, Paul. Take courage, Paul. Um, and the next morning, we read verse 12, um, 40 fanatical, zealous, radical Jews make a promise. They make a, a vow, an oath, that they will kill Paul. And you'll notice, look at verse 12, and we will not eat and we will not drink until Paul is what? Dead. That's how zealous we are, which is kind of funny, which means they didn't eat or drink for 10 years because Paul was going to live. They was really thirsty and really hungry. Uh, but you need to understand how fanatical they were when they would have sent Paul to the Jewish leaders on the pretext, we want to quiz him some more, he would have come with six, eight, 10, 12 Roman soldiers. Tracking with me? And in order to kill Paul, they're going to have to attack six, eight, 10, 12 armed, trained, powerful Roman soldiers. Which means those 40, many of them are gonna die. Many of them are gonna be wounded. And probably most of them who don't die are going to be either imprisoned or put on a Roman cross for daring to mess with Roman soldiers. So that's how zealous they were. They knew the price. It would mean death or imprisonment and torture and perhaps even crucifixion because you don't mess with the Roman soldiers, okay? Verse 16, but the murderous plot to kill the apostle Paul just happens by, are you ready? I like these, coincidence, to be overheard by Paul's sister's boy, which would make him his what? His nephew, okay? By the way, this is the only mention of Paul's family in all of the Bible, okay? This is it. It's the only time we get any mention of Paul is his Paul's sister's boy. So we know he has a sister and a nephew. That's all we know. And because of good luck, I mean good karma, I mean chance, uh, Paul's nephew just happens to overhear and then he has the sense to come and tell his uncle Paul about the plan to kill him. And Paul sends the boy, seems like it's a younger boy, um, takes, says, go to the centurion, tell him what you just told me, and then you take him to the commander, and just by coincidence, the centurion and the commander believe the story of the boy. And, got a few more, are you ready? And by fluke, uh, I mean by accident, uh, no, by good destiny or fate, uh, Paul is not murdered by the 40. So, I ask you this morning, was it good karma that kept Paul alive? <laughs> 
Did, did Paul have his yin and his yang in balance? And that's why he didn't die the next morning? Um, was it just luck or chance or fluke that the news got to his nephew and he knew enough to take it to his uncle Paul? How do you explain the fact that Paul was not ambushed and murdered by this angry, zealous, fanatical mob of 40? And I'll tell you, the only answer is back to verse 11. Let's go there, would you? I want to show you. Here's, here's why we started here. Uh, chapter 23, the following night, the Lord, the Lord Jesus stood near Paul and said, Hey, Paul, what's he say to him? Say the next two words. This is important. Take what? Take courage. Uh, I can also be translated, take heart. Don't be so sad. Take courage. Take heart. Don't be so afraid. As you've testified about me in Jerusalem, I got plans for you, boy. You're going to testify about me in Rome. The conspiracy to kill Paul was hatched the next morning after this conversation that Jesus had with Paul. And I got a plan for you. And uh, it's a plan that isn't going to end tomorrow. No, no, you're going to make it safely to Rome. What I'm saying is this, you ready? It wasn't karma or luck. It wasn't fate or destiny. It wasn't chance or accident. It wasn't coincidence that Paul's life was spared. <laughs> it was Jesus Christ, okay? Uh, the answer here is Jesus was in control of this situation. And it was Jesus who was working out his plan and his purpose for Paul in his life, okay? So it really didn't matter if there were 40 Jews intent on killing Paul or 400 Jews that were zealous to kill Paul or 4,000 Jews or 40,000 Jews or 400,000 Jews. Excuse me, if there were 4 million Jews they weren't going to overcome God's plan. They weren't going to unseat what King Jesus had already decided. The power of God Almighty can overcome any plan or any plot against us. you got to know that, okay? Uh, why is that? Because the King of kings and the Lord of lords is on the throne, and he's in control. And if you look at verse 11, he'd already said this is what's going to happen. And that is exactly what was going to go on. I invite you to turn back to Ephesians chapter 1, verses 11 and 12. It's where we started, okay? Now, we've already seen it, but now I want to show you again uh, what's happening there. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 11 and 12. In him, in Jesus, we were also chosen having been predestined according to the plan of him, Jesus, who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his plan and his will, Jesus' plan and Jesus' will. Why? In order that we, who were the first to put our hope in Christ, might be for the praise of his glory. Let me say it again. If you know Jesus personally as Savior and Lord, he's chosen you. He picked you to be a part of his forever family. Got that? He picked me. 
You know? Peter, he didn't pick me, he didn't pick you because we were such great pickings, but in his plan, he said, I want you. I got plans for you. He's chosen you, and now he's working his plan out in your life and mine. And he's working everything, good stuff, bad stuff. And his purpose, verse 12, so that Jesus Christ would get honor and glory and praise. Now, you need to remember that because sometimes the Lord works out and, man, there's a happy ending. And then sometimes the Lord works and his plan and his purpose does not include and they lived happily ever after. This is a true tragic story. November 9th, 1994, I'm reading from the Chicago Tribune. In a freak accident Tuesday on a Milwaukee expressway, a minivan carrying a Chicago family burst into flames, killing five children, critically injuring the parents and another child. The accident occurred when the minivan, driven by Pastor Scott Willis, a pastor at a Southside church, ran over a piece of steel that had apparently had fallen off a truck. The 18-inch steel bracket, which holds mud flaps on semi-trailer trucks, punctured the van's gas tank and lodged in the tank. Sparks ignited leaking gas from the tank, and within seconds, the 1994 Chrysler Voyager minivan burst into flames, according to Milwaukee County Sheriff Sergeant David Eichowitz. Trapped in the van and killed in the fire, were Peter Willis, six weeks old, Elizabeth Willis, three years old, Hank Willis, seven years old, Sam Willis, nine years old, and Joe Willis, 11 years old. Pastor Scott Willis, age 47, pastor at Parkside Baptist Church, his wife Janet, age 47, and their 12-year-old son Ben Willis, escaped with severe burns. But Ben, the 12-year-old, died the next day from burns that covered over 90% of his body. The family was on its way to visit the older brother, Dan Willis, one of the couple's nine children, who was a high school wrestling coach at a Christian school in Watertown, Wisconsin. Later, the Willises learned that the driver of the semi had obtained his license illegally because of corruption in the Secretary of State's office, which had accepted bribes to allow unqualified drivers to receive licenses. On the morning of the accident, the driver of the semi ignored repeated warnings from other drivers that there was a large piece of metal that was gonna fall off the back of his truck. Lots of people told him he did nothing. In 2006, 12 years after the accident, Pastor Scott Willis wrote this. Janet and I are ordinary people, not powerful, not forceful. Our children brought great joy to us. We love them, we miss them, but we do not despair. We live with a God-promised hope in Jesus Christ. 
Do you remember the first words that Jesus said when he appeared to Paul that night before the plan? Would you go back to verse 11? Go back to verse 11, and I just need us to once again camp there. Um, he says, take courage. <laughs> take courage. He says that to Paul. He says that to Scott and Janice Willis. Take courage. <laughs> this is a bad situation. And oh, by the way, I'm the only source of courage, so you better take it from me right now because you're going to need it. And know this, Paul, I've got plans and I've got purposes for you. Five times in the New Testament, Jesus says this to people. Okay, I just want to review. This is interesting. And the only person who says these words in the New Testament, and it's really one word in the Greek, but for us it's two, it's uh, take courage or take heart. Five times and only Jesus says this. Uh, in Matthew 9, 2, Jesus looks down on a paralyzed man lying on the mat and he says, take courage, take heart, your sins are forgiven. In Matthew 9, 22, do you remember the woman who had been hemorrhaging for 12 years? She's bleeding and gushing blood and now in desperation she goes and touches the edge of the cloak of Jesus, Jesus turns to her and says, take courage, take heart, daughter. Your faith has healed you. Isn't that good? In Matthew 14, 27, the 12 disciples are in a boat in the Sea of Galilee and a storm comes up and they are scared spitless and Jesus appears to them. What do you think he says? Uh, take courage, it is I, do not be afraid. The fourth appearance is Jesus here with Paul in Acts chapter 23 and verse 11. But I want to close by having you turn to John chapter 16. This is the fifth time that Jesus says these words. Uh, John chapter 16. And go down to verse 32 if you would. John chapter 16 and verse 32. Nice job, Hannah says this, a time is coming and in fact has already come when you're going to get scattered. Talking to the 12, each to your own home. You're going to leave me all alone for my Father is with me. I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. Now look at verse 33. Here, here's, here's the fifth time he says it. In this world you will have, what's the next word there? It's up here. In this world, you will have trouble. He's talking to the disciples. He's talking to us, church at Walloon. In this world, there's trouble. But take heart. But take courage. What's it say? I've overcome the world. Okay? You're going to have trouble. <laughs> here, here's what I know to be true. Um, Jesus is with his children even when bad trouble comes our way. And he's with us in the darkest dungeons and the most gloomy jail cells. He's with uh, his followers even in the sickest hospital room. Jesus is with us 
even in the quietest cemetery. Jesus is with us in the loneliest kitchen and the harshest criticism coming our way. Jesus is right there with us in those times. He's with his forever family, even in the worst car accident situations that we can imagine. And I think I just read that. I think that's the worst I can imagine. And he's warned us, go back, verse 33, um, followers of me in this world, you will have what? You're going to have trouble. <laughs> it's not going to be fun all the time. Matter of fact, there's going to be lots of times it's going to be awful. But take heart. Have courage, follower of Jesus Christ. Why should I have courage? Because there's trouble, and I don't like trouble. What does trouble make you feel? Um, some of us, it makes us feel, what, afraid, uh, stressed. Some of us, it makes us angry, trouble. Some of us, we, we're, we're all impatient, and when is this going to be over? Some of us, we're trying to take charge of the situation. We all deal with it differently, but he says, you're going to have trouble, but take courage. And who's the only giver of courage in the universe? What's his name? So when there's trouble, who do you turn to? You, you run to Jesus, and Lord, I, I need the courage. I, I need the strength. I need you to fill up my heart with your presence right now. Um, and I know that you have overcome the world. Here, here's the truth. This time on planet Earth is not the end. Do we forget that or not? <laughs> this is not the end, y'all. This is not the end of the destination. We're just passing through. Uh, heaven is our home, okay? This time here on earth is preparation for eternity. So we're just kind of getting ready to go be with our Lord for all of eternity. And we can't forget that. Because as soon as we start expecting heaven on earth, we're going to be disappointed. We're going to be frustrated. We're going to be angry. Turn with me to the most famous passage in the Bible, would you? Would you go back to the book of Psalms? This is, this is the last thing. I know I said this was the last, but this is really the last, okay? That was the next to the last. Well, the truth is I didn't think I was going to have time to take you back here and read it. I was just going to read it to you, but... Uh, Psalm and uh, verse 23, and uh, it's pretty cool. John chapter 10, verse 11, Jesus says, I am the good shepherd, and the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Okay? So I'm going to take that and apply that, okay? Here, here we go, verse 1. The Lord Jesus is my good shepherd. I shall not want. The Lord Jesus makes me lie down in green pastures. Jesus leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. Jesus guides me along paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Now verse 4. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, 
Why on earth would I not be afraid when I'm walking through the worst valley? Why on earth, give me your eyeballs, why on earth would I not be terrified and upset and overwhelmed when I'm in the valley of the shadow of what? Death. Why wouldn't I be afraid? Why wouldn't I be terrified, overwhelmed, ticked, impatient, stressed to the max? Why not? What's the next line say? For what? For Jesus, you're with me. <laughs> that's why. That's, that's the only reason. For you're with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Jesus, you prepare a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Jesus, you anoint us my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy are going to follow me all the days of my life. But that's not the end, is it? What's the best part? And we'll dwell in the house of the Lord Jesus. How long? Say it again. How long? That's what we look forward to. That's our hope. That's our confidence. That, that's, that's what we're in preparation here on earth for because we're going to be in the house of the Lord forever. Let me just say to anybody here, you're stressed, you're scared, you're impatient, you're overwhelmed, maybe you're lonely, maybe, maybe things are awful. Take courage. And where is the source of courage, by the way? Turn, when I say that, I'm saying turn to Jesus and take courage from him. He's, he's right there at your side. He was there at Paul's side. He's there today at your side. And he's overcome the world. W would you turn to him? Lord, I need your courage. I need all the good stuff that only you can bring me right now. And walk at my side as I go through this valley. Take heart. Take courage. I'm here. Bow your heads. Shut your eyes. And uh, I just want to talk right now to some of you who uh, things right now seem bad. <laughs> From an earthly perspective, this situation you're in right now is, is stressful, it's confusing. Seems like a lot of chaos. Can I remind you that we have a Savior alive, powerful, ruling and reigning on the throne room, and he's in charge, and his name is Jesus Christ. And no matter what you're facing here today, no matter what valley you're going through, here's the good news the Lord Jesus says, just come run into me. Turn to me. Take heart. Right now, take courage from me. So right where you're seated, did you know that you can just, Lord, I, I by faith receive the courage. Renew my heart. Renew my mind. Because what I'm facing right now, I can't do it on my own. I need you at my side. And I know you've always been there, and, and you've never left me, but I, I forgot to acknowledge and, and to hold on 
and to trust and to believe. Right now in this room, I suspect there are many who are in the middle of uncertainty and anxiety and stress. And Lord, I'm asking that they might have the faith to run right now to your Son, Jesus Christ, the Good Shepherd. Might they drink deeply of the courage and the grace and the mercy that they need right now in their time of need. Lord, forgive us for forgetting so often that you're right there at our side. You're that good shepherd, and whatever we're facing, you're walking right there with us. We praise you for that. And Lord, help us to believe that you know what you're doing. When things turn out great, and it's a happy ending, and when things turn out awful, and it's a really hard and tragic ending, Lord, we still trust you. And Lord, if there are any here today who don't know your son Jesus as Savior and Lord, if there are any who don't know the Good Shepherd personally, would you make that clear and obvious to them even right where they're seated? Would you make them hungry and thirsty to realize how much they need a Good Shepherd, your son Jesus, to walk through life's difficulties, through life's stresses with them as well? And that only comes when we believe and we receive by faith. May even today they be ready to say, I believe and I receive and Jesus take charge of my life. Thank you for being awesome and yet close. Thank you, Lord, for being right at our side even in the darkest times of our lives. And thank you for uh, giving us your word. It's been written so that we can be encouraged, so that we can take heart, uh, so that we can live and think and live our lives in alignment with your book. Help us to do that by faith. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.